Is it okay to tear you away from the office for a minute? Um, yes. How long you've been watching this show, like, just nonstop? What, like today? Yeah, like, it seems like every minute in the past, like, three weeks, you've just been watching this show. You're making a lot of background noise as you're trying to make that adjustment on your mic. It's okay. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like, I've seen it so many times that I can just kind of have it on in the background. What's happening right now in your show? Uh, it's the Dunder Mifflin Infinity episode. So Ryan read the title. To, I can see it. Yeah, Ryan's trying to launch Dunder Mifflin Infinity, and Michael is a uh, threatening ageism. Ageism. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Anyways, welcome to the Taste Like Homebrew podcast. Yeah. My name is Matt. I will be your co-host today. So this is not an office podcast. Just to uh, do you just want to talk about this in Lacroix water? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, other fun things. That that would be the uh, podcast that I would do with Teal and Alex. Oh, okay. Well, they're uh, not here. So, unfortunately, you're going to have to do a podcast about beer. Okay. Uh, and I'm Sam, by the way. I didn't Shit. introduce myself. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll be damned. Been calling you Svenskin. Svenskin. Anyways, um, welcome to uh, Tastes Like Homebrew. I don't know what number of podcasts is. Technically, this is separate because we are continuing with our History of Beer Part 2. Mm-hmm. So um, this is one of our numbers, like number 21, whatever. But this is uh, maybe a little bit longer, a little more detail-oriented than the past, mm-hmm. where we just kind of talk about nothing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to be talking about something. Mm-hmm. But what that something is... Do you have your notes already pulled up? I do. Okay. I, it sounded like you were like stalling. No. There. And now we're talking about something instead got, of talking about nothing. I have four pages of notes ready to go. I know. And this is going to take for freaking ever. I know. And it's awesome. I'm excited. So um, before we get going, what are you drinking over there, good buddy? Uh, I'm drinking the Crooked, uh, crooked Stave uh, Sour Rosé. Wild ale fermented in oak with raspberries and blueberries. It's and you're a drinking very that, pretty color. And you're drinking that out of a baby Yoda glass. I am. Yes. Just big Mandalorian fan over here. Um, yeah. And just generally big baby Yoda fan myself. Uh, she's got baby fever. Just baby Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, puppies. <laughs> I am drinking the So Juicy IPA from Woodland Empire out of Boise, Idaho. Ooh. And let's see if it's juicy. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, is it juicy? It's juicy. It's juicy. I don't think it's hazy though. I'm drinking it out of the can right now, so I can't see. Can I try it? What? No, it's my beer. It looks like it should be hazy just because it's got a peach on the front, and I kind of associate peach with haziness. Did you know they come from a can? Were they put there by a man? Drink your beer and let's get going here. Jesus. Jesus. Mm. Yeah, that's good. All right. So before we get going, uh, I like to tell a little bit about the what we're going to be talking about. So the first history of beer, we kind of talked about ancient history and how it the role beer played on that. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of ancient Mesopotamians, ancient Sumerians, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. We ended at that time. We are going to move forward now towards medieval times. Okay. So and not talking about like, you know, the Excalibur at Las Vegas. Although, I could talk about that all day. Okay. One time, I went to the Excalibur, and the week before, a hooker died. Jesus. Yeah. Well, you're paying $30 a night, so who knows? Okay. So anyway, um, so we're going to talk about medieval. So let's let's get started. You ready? 
Yep. I'm ready. All right. So, you know, when you're out drinking beers, what's one of the most fun things you can do is get in random drunken debates, right? Yeah. Do you ever get in drunken debates about religion? Um, I generally try and avoid that topic of conversation, but I'm sure it's probably happened at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some good fun ones, right? People love to talk about politics, mm-hmm. talk about guns, talk about religion. So at least religion to me will make a little sense because this podcast is going to be heavy on religion. Because when in you th- general moving forward or just in this episode? Just in this episode. Okay. From everything else, we're only going to drink while we're at Catholic Mass. And are we uh, not advocating or anything? This is just purely as a... This is just purely educational. Okay. We're informative. We're not going to try to sway you one way or the other. Um, or I'm not going to be like, you know what? Everybody needs to become a Protestant. I don't know anything about Protestantism. I mean, I know a little bit because I have a degree in history and history's, you know, religion go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But so we're going to be talking a lot about religion. But was that a lot of but? You you're keep popping your bees again. I like to pop that bee, you know. Gross. Okay. <laughs> but who doesn't love talking religion? I know everybody does. So during this part two of this religion, we're going to be talking almost exclusively about the medieval per- uh, period. And you can't do that without talking about religion. Medieval religion, they go hand in hand. At the end of the fall at the fall of the end of the Roman Empire, it was just straight religion until like three weeks ago. Okay. So anyways, uh, I want to start things off with a little quote and then it looks like you have something to say. No, but I'm just pulling my notes up. There we go. From man's sweat and God's love, beer came into the world. Mm-hmm. That was Saint Ardle of Metz. So um, so here we go. Uh, beer, medieval times, and religion, all part of history of the beer part two. Okay. You ready? Yep. You ready. So to begin things off, I want to talk about my grandma. Okay. Well, a little personal story here. So my grandma was a very religious woman, which I can imagine a lot of people listening, their grandparents were, right? A different mm-hmm. era that's not as heathen as you know we are nowadays, living in sin. Um, but she was a very, very religious woman. Um and I kind of think about it like your grandparents. Like it's either one or the other. Either very religious, big time drinker. Mm-hmm. I had both in my family. Yeah, I had both in my family too. Like my grandma, very religious on my mom's side. My dad's side, big old drinkers. Anyway, uh, my grandma on my mom's side, very religious. She, My mom used to tell me a story that my grandma had this recipe that involved a can of beer. Okay. And my grandma was so embarrassed to go to the local grocery stores here in beautiful Renton, Washington. Okay, so this was in Re- like in the Renton, Newcastle area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, uh, she would have to drive several towns or grocery stores over. So she would go out of like the area she lived in to buy that can of beer because she didn't want to see her fellow churchgoers to see her buying alcohol. Oh my! Yeah, religion's real fun, right? Um, and then because of that, like even though I didn't grow up by religious on any means. I kind of had the idea that religion was very anti-drinking. I'm not sure that that's 100% true. I see, and I agree with that, but at that time, I had, like, my oddly religious side of the family mm-hmm. and this story that I had, like, religion was bad, although my dad was like, hey, let's go to a brewery and hang out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I see where I get it from. But I kind of had this idea that um, religion and drinking didn't go along, especially when I was young. 
Okay. How has that, like, that has definitely changed. Because if you start reading about the religion and the history of drinking and all that stuff, they kind of go hand in hand together. Um, you're nodding at me. No, I'm, yeah. just, I'm listening. You're just listening at me. I'm not used to you listening to me. Normally, you're just rolling your eyes and calling me an idiot. Oh, well, I mean, it's an audio podcast. I could be rolling my eyes. <laughs> so, um, and going through this research has proved me really wrong about this idea of religion and drinking. Uh, Martin Luther, you know who that is? Uh, yes. Not King, but Martin Luther. And uh, John Calif, uh, both parts of the Reformation, were big-time drinkers. Uh, Pope Leo X was quoted calling Luther as a drunken German. Hmm. I mean, I think that's kind of an oxymoron, right? Calling a German a drunk? Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure that's an oxymoron, but that's okay. I don't know. What's an oxymoron? <laughs> On a side note, Protestants who wanted to be different than Catholics would drink their beers actually differently. What, is, what does that mean? So Catholic churches in, the, in their tradition usually use spices to flavor their beer. Mm-hmm. But for Protestants to be different, they use this beautiful little thing called hops. Oh, okay. Was that the first time that, that anyone really put hops into beer? I don't know about that. Okay. I don't know. Like, you have to think about history. Like, the first time that someone's done something, like, who looked at an oyster and was like, mm, that looks good? And then eventually, like, mm, we should throw that in a beer. Yeah. It's a little weird, but... Um, yeah. That looks like a booger. I it, should eat that. <laughs> and we'll talk more about flavor a little bit, but religion and beer are so damn hand in hand with each other that we literally have a diet because of it. So during, or have you, have you heard of the Doppelbach diet before? Is that the one where you drink like a really dark, heavy beer in the morning? Yeah. So I like originally drink like years four ago beers a day or from something? Kenny down a wingman. Yeah. Where is he was talking about it? And so, uh, it's a real, it's a beer or it's a diet based on the Doppelbach. So one serving of a Doppelbach has about 288 calories, and it's when when completely it's unfiltered. So um, it's a lot like the beers that the Germans would consume in the 17th century. So as a result, it retains plenty of yeast, uh, complex or B complex vitamins, making it a hearty, nutritious brew, especially compared to like other things at the time or even other beers now. Okay. Like in general, that beer has a lot more nutrition than it. So you could live off of that beer. So during the 17th century, especially when the monks have to give up their, uh, give up solid foods for Lent, mm-hmm. they could live off of beer. a Doppelbach. Okay. So the nowadays the diet consists of like you eat a Doppel, you drink a Doppelbach in the morning or like two of them. You have some sausage. Okay. Then you have you know whatever some veggies like probably like root vegetables another doppelbach maybe like another sausage there you go that just sounds like a fun day at the berliner yeah it does it sounds like you're just going to oktoberfest for the day but this is a an entirely this is a diet that's based after lent for the i believe it's catholic right the catholics love doing that lent stuff Mm, i think so yeah Mm -hmm. so yes like beer religion all important let's get let's get into it all right all right do you remember the the god Ninkasi? Mm-hmm. I did yeah, that, we talked about it last time. I did that really long poem on it. Yeah, that that was a very long poem. So I want to do it again, but this time in the original uh, Sumerian language. Oh, jeez. Hell no. But we talked. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were joking there for a second, and I was like, oh, good. 
can I turn the podcast <laughs> off? Like, <laughs> so the last th- podcast we talked a lot, a little bit about religion. I mean, you know, Ninkasi, the goddess of beer. And then we dug into how temples brewed beer and all that fun jazz. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't really play a lot of jazz back then. Well, you don't know. I'm sure they had their own version of jazz. Uh, hopefully. So we talked a little bit about in the ancient world. Um, people love sacrificing things to the beer gods, all that stuff. That'd be, why don't we do that more often? Sacrifice things to the beer gods? Yeah, like, like what? Like goats? Mm. My abs? Well, even we've already kind of done that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we like the Egyptian goddess of beer, Sekhmet. Sekhmet. Mm-hmm. Like, do you you know that story, right? Yeah, I do know that story. I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, hold on one second. Uh, yeah. So she was an Egyptian warrior goddess, and she had a lion's head. Um, she was pretty, she could, could be equally destructive or healing, um, depending on like who she was friends with. Um, but the God Ra was upset because man wasn't upholding justice and following his laws. So to punish them, the people, he sent the essence of his daughter. I don't know what that means. Essence of his daughter. Yeah. Um, Hather as the eye of Ra in the form of a lion. Um, and that was Sekhmet. So I'm a little confused about how all of this comes together, but this just follow along. Okay. Because they're it's like she's three different people. Um, Egyptians may have drank a lot. We don't know. Well, we're gonna get there. <laughs> so she like just fucked a whole bunch of shit up. She went on a, a rampage. There was blood everywhere, and Ra, being like a generally chill guy, um, thought that things had gone too far and felt kind of bad. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's calm down, everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He was like, that's a lot more blood than I was expecting. Um, So he asked her to stop, um, but she was super blood drunk and was like, uh, I do what I want. (laughs) Blood drunk? (laughs) Yeah. This is red IPA. It's delicious. And Ra was like, oh, no, she's a violent drunk. I need her to be a sleepy drunk. So he decided to trick her. So he grabbed um, 7,000 jugs of beer and stained them blood red with pomegranate juice. So she drank up all that blood beer um, and fell asleep, which makes sense. Um, She slept for three days and awoke a new woman that they called Hather. So she had a new name now. You ever get so drunk that you you pass out, you wake up, and you're you're another person? Yeah. Yeah. I pass out drunk, Matt woke up. This is Vincent. And uh, this new goddess that she was, Hather, um, she's the goddess of life, pregnancy, sexual love, dancing music, and generally having a really good time. Um, And then Egyptians had an annual feast celebrating the salvation of humanity where everybody drank pomegranate beer, which sounds, by the way, amazing. Well, there's pomegranate sours. I know. I want one. Well, you, you have a sour of something else. I know, but I wish it was a pomegranate one. This one's got raspberries and blueberries. All right, so... Egyptians, pretty badass with their gods and their drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, so much that... I don't even know how to explain. <laughs> that is awesome. See, that wouldn't religion be more fun if it involved more drinking? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not here to pass judgment on anyone's religion. I'm just kind of 
Just party I'm more. also I also want to say that I'm not an expert in anyone's religion. So I if we get anything wrong, we're sorry. We are not a hundred percent experts. And also I don't have anything about Scientology and drinking, but that was made up like six years ago, so who knows? I know. Anyway, that's the, the Egyptian goddess of beer. Actually, awesome. I think Scientologists generally aren't supposed to drink very much. I think I heard that on in like an interview that they're supposed to stay like really like cognizant of their own like behavior and mind so they're actually not really supposed to drink very much yeah, but <laughs> again i'm not an expert on it i'm just trying to i'm reciting something that i literally heard on a podcast probably <laughs> three years ago all right so that kind of ends our talking about ancient goddesses and beer and ancient religion and beer and scientology and beer we probably won't bring it up again i think that's probably a good idea so we're just kind of moving forward our timeline before we get to the medieval times there is a big era of history, right? There is the Greeks and the Romans. You mean between ancient Egypt and Scientology, uh, medieval times? Yeah, yeah. There was like a couple things happened. Yeah. First off, and I've learned everything that I know about life from South Park episodes. Some of them are pretty intelligent. <laughs> no, so Greek and Roman history, um, which actually is my favorite. I went to Italy to study Roman history. Brag about it. Uh-huh. All I did was drink just a crap load of beer. You think I'd go there and drink a crap load of wine? Nah. But uh, while beer did exist at this time of like ancient an- antiquity of uh, Romans and Greeks, it was really second fiddle to wine. Uh-huh. Uh, the Romans considered it inferior since it was manufactured and not pure as wine. So you had yeah. to cr- uh, craft it. Um, after the fall of the Roman and during the dark times, we'll start to see the rise of beer and the decline of wine. Uh, beer was generally the favorite of the Germanic tribes, and since it was more down-to-earth than the elitist Roman wine-drinking parties. So wine was so popular. Like, and just watch the uh, the HBO series, miniseries Rome. Mm-hmm. They really, like, every party, they're just getting crunk off wine. Yeah. You don't see, like, a cold Coors Light in the background at yeah. all. Like, I don't see one. But I see some... No, no rock, banquet beers? I see some rock and Syrahs out there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even a Gewürz demeanor. Oh, I don't know about that. That's a German wine. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the, I mean, Germania and the, the Roman Yeah, they, I guess they were pretty related at yeah. the time. Like, I mean, what's what's the main grapes in Italy? Oh, like Sangiovese, right? Uh, which are like Chianti grapes, yeah. I believe. So probably a lot of that. We could talk a lot about drinking in Rome, but it doesn't really evolve around, evolve, <laughs> revolve around beer. So we should move on. So we should probably talk more about the Judo-Christian religions. Okay. So that's the Christians and the Jews. Okay. Um, and pardon me if I get a lot of facts here. When we've mentioned it, like I'm neither Jewish nor Christian. So if I mispronounce some names, my apologies. There's a lot of these, like especially with ancient cities and names and all that stuff. It's a little difficult. Um, so if I get the little details wrong, spare me a little bit. I'm here for the beer, not for the religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I understand about the Jewish faith and the Christian faith is they like to drink at rituals. Yes. I mean, even think about it nowadays, like I know like Christmas has become super secularized, but I've gone to a couple uh, Christmases and several families. People drink. Uh, they do at my family's Christmas. Yes. Yeah, I know. And they do at your family Christmas too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then other friends and stuff. So yeah. yeah there's usually good. wine. I mean, a little wine. Those you elitist wine drinking festivals. You are basically ancient Romans. Uh, I like to drink wine on Christmas. <laughs> All right, let's continue. 
So when we talk about drinking, especially with the Jewish faith, I stumbled across this website, which I absolutely love. Okay, it's what is it? JewishDrinking.com. Oh, yeah. And okay, it, I think I actually found that, too, when I, when we were talking about doing research for this podcast. And, and it's a huge website. They got podcasts. Mm-hmm. They have, like, articles. So one of them is about uh, the categories holiday and festivals. And there's an article about drinking on Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Uh, drinking. Um, and there, there's, uh, there's multiple ones that I can't um, pronounce. There's an article about what to drink when you're on the holidays. It consists around that, like, that one kind of wine they like. Kosher wine? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, and it's, and they up to date. It looks like they probably put an, uh, an article about every other month. Like they're one on December, and then they recently won a couple days ago, in fact. Um, and just during, like, how to drink and what to drink during on the, the Jewish calendar and what holidays and stuff. So mm. um, I'm not going to, we're not going to dig heavily into it because I feel like I'm going to just not pronounce any word correctly. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like looked around on that website a little bit, but um, I I know a lot of very lovely Jewish people and I didn't want to get anything wrong. Um, So I didn't really want to uh, try and editorialize something that's probably a lot more complex than I understand. Yeah. So, but did you know who was a Jew? Jesus was a Jew. Yeah, I did know that. You know, there are some scholars out there that believe that Jesus himself drank beer and not wine at the Last Supper. Really? Yeah. And some And some of them, even the translations will say that uh, he turned water into beer and not into wine. Because the the translations going from, like, what was originally, he spoke Aramaic, right? Mm -hmm. And then to Greek or whatever, then move it on. Translation gets confused, but they don't actually know. Most people believe that he drank wine, right? Yeah. When you are in a Catholic church, you're drinking red wine is the blood of christ i believe so i mean it's not coors boom it's i believe so i mean there's a 20 percent chance that they were drinking space dust <gasps> that's the og, OG cloudburst <laughs> um so but i think it's interesting that some people in translations and this is not an entirely common thing like nobody knows and nobody really i don't know like, do people really care what he drank besides the fact that you are honoring him by drinking the blood of christ that's, is that right? That seems weird. Anyway, but I will tell you what. At the Last Supper, he's got alcohol in front of him. Some people say it's beer. Some people say it's wine. It's alcohol. If you're going to go out, I think the last thing you should have is a drink that you really like, right? I had a dream once, like probably four years ago, that uh, it was like the like there was like a meteor asteroid or something like pl- like plummeting to Earth. And you turned to me and said, the last thing I want to do is drink a really good double IPA. Yeah. I, I mean, remember that very specifically. <laughs> I mean, but I, I, I've thought about this for a while. And if you had one last drink, what are you choosing? Hmm. I think I'm going to go with something Fort George. Okay. Maybe Field of Greens. Maybe the new Magnetic Fields. Boy, I like that. You wouldn't do something like Barrel Aged? I mean, it's good, but I feel like my what defines me as a beer drinker is hazy IPAs because that that's my favorite. You've been drinking a lot of dark beers lately, though. It's cold. I know, and it's cold. I don't know, what what like, are you doing? You've always been the, told me in the past that you would go for like a coconut bee bomb. Yeah, I mean, if that's kind of like that's definitely one of my favorite beers of all time. 
um, and I don't tend to pick favorite beers very often. Um, yeah, I think I would do something like that. I'd do something special, like a, uh, something barrel-aged or one of those beers that sits down in our little beer cellar that we're like afraid to open. Yeah, because they're delicious. Mm-hmm. My beer and cereal cellar. I like to age cereal down there, too. I thought you were doing that in the garage. Oh, yeah. That was so good. I just eat those whenever I'm just kind of drunk in the garage. How often are you drunk in the garage? When are you not drunk in the garage? Most of the time I'm in the garage. Okay. Anyway, so (laughs) Jesus may have drank some beer. We don't know. But let's continue on with more of this religion and, you know, beer thing. Catholics, they love to drink. I mean, have have you ever been to a party like at Seattle U back in the day or in Gonzaga? I no, I have actually never been to a party at either of those schools. Well, they like to drink. All right. My dad used to tell me that the, nobody threw a better party than a Catholic. Is Gonzaga a Catholic university? Jesuit, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I think they both I just are. thought they were really good at basketball. Yeah, whatever. So uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, they like to party. They like to drink. And uh, there's a book called The Story of the Pint. So uh, Monastery uh, Montastic Brewing uh, was universal. Uh, there would not have been a monastery in Britain or Ireland without its brewery to sustain its brothers. So the idea that they all the monasteries brewed. Uh, it is believed that the oldest brewery in the world, which is uh, Weihenstaufen, you can find this at a lot of like German bars, um, started as a monastery, monastery brewery back in uh, four, 1040 CE. Uh, Catholics also did a great job lining up their holidays with pagan drinking holidays. For example, the uh, Christmas with Yuletide Feast of, it was, was the Yuletide Feast of Odin, mm-hmm. which started out as a party to get you drunk. Like The original idea of Christmas was a pagan holiday that was based off drinking. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I also still really want to go to that um, Egyptian pomegranate beer festival. That sounds fun. Are you currently on Instagram right now? I was doing something. <laughs> so let's c- call me out man <laughs> uh so monks let's talk about monasteries let's talk about monks okay big part of uh christianity right and we're gonna from here on out we're basically christianity okay i don't know, i've limited resources on other things um monks and nuns had to be self-sustaining right I and mean, we were thinking about 12th 13th 14th century not a lot of like windcos you can go to to get yourself some fritos right you had to be self-sustaining and we learned before of like that beer diet that beer is full of nutrients, so it only made sense that during these times that they would brew mm-hmm. for sustenance. Full of nutrients, and also because it's fermented, it lasts a long time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't go bad. Yep. Um, so they would brew for themselves, mm-hmm. but they would also brew for visitors and pilgrims. Okay. These places were known to be generous, so many. Uh, so they would also provide beer and bread, or they provide bread with their beer. So, I don't know. This is the best diet. If I could just live it's off just beer, beer and, and bread, bread <laughs> I'd be so fat and happy and really unhealthy. Yeah, really unhealthy. I don't know how to get gout, but I assume that's how you get gout. I'm pretty sure that that is a one-way ticket to gout town. <laughs> so, but monks would use... Which would be a great name for this episode, by the way. <laughs> one-way ticket to gout town. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, monks would use this profit from church sales of the beer to buy more equipment and grain and thus be able to uh, brew more. Uh, these monks were awesome. Like, I love this. They would 
take put cleanliness on very top priority because at this point they're starting to realize that uh especially in the brew house the cleanliness is the most important part mm -hmm. uh in some places it was illegal to drink a beer in a house that a mouse has died in to drink a beer so yeah like if you're <laughs> you go to a, like a establishment a monastery you want to get a beer but you realize it's dirty and you see a dead mouse mm -hmm. that is illegal and they'd be punished by whatever their punishment is it illegal being. so if if a mouse died there in the past i don't then they cleaned it up is I, that okay because i feel like there was a lot of mice i don't know i wasn't little known fact i wasn't there hmm. sounds and, like what they need more kitties. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you ever go to the Guinness Brew House, mm -hmm. they have like their cats that are, what you call them when you get them stuffed? <laughs> Taxidermy? <laughs> yeah, they got stuffed cats there that are like paid homage to like the cats of like 1841. This cat, Matt, was a mouser at a brew house. I do not remember that part of the tour. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was there. I've been there twice, in fact. So yeah. I know. No, I mean, I believe you. I just don't remember that part. I think I must have been. Over on the uh, marketing deck or whatever. You were big into that. So anyways, but it makes sense, though, because cats being mousers. But I feel like cats would just take giant dumps in the grain. In the mm. grain silos, because that's just one giant litter box. Yeah. <laughs> but cleanliness was key. And these monks knew about it. Mm -hmm. They knew that they kept things clean. They could sell their beer and then buy more stuff for it. So Yeah. You know. On a separate and like only tangentially, tangent, tangentially, I don't, I don't know. Uh, related note: um, the uh, um, cholera outbreak in London in 1854. Um, the pump that like, or the well, or whatever that was actually infecting people and getting everybody really sick um, was located near a brewery, but nobody at the brewery was getting sick. Because they were drinking the beer instead of water. And, like, I would assume this is a little bit of um, conjecture on my part. But um, because the water had to be boiled during the process of making beer, it would help kind of disinfect it. So people weren't getting sick who were drinking at the brewery. But the people who were around the area were getting sick. And it was kind of throwing off the um, them being able to really identify that it was actually water making people sick. But... That is just, if you don't want cholera, drink beer, not water. I mean, there's a story about St. Arnold of Metz, uh, who, who I quoted earlier. He saved an entire town from plague by serving the monastery's beer instead of water. Because from of the, the plague? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So, beer saves lives. Water. <laughs> stupid. I mean, I would have thought with the, uh, with the plague, the grain mills would have attracted a lot of like uh, rodents, which would have made people more sick, but um, that's interesting. Yeah, but again, I wasn't there, so I don't, no. I don't know exactly how it worked. But uh, as Sam like mentioned earlier, and like we've talked about it, the health benefits of beer, and especially, and this and, and this this time is incredibly noteworthy. Uh, not only is it nutritious at a time when nutrition was basically non-existent, people mm -hmm. didn't know any better, right? Uh, but alcohol is also a natural cleaner. So on top of that, when you you brew your beers flavored with uh, medicinal spices, it was thought that these were like health drinking tonics right that drinking beer was overall good for you so it was like uh, medieval kombucha yeah okay mm -hmm. like the uh you know the anti-vaxxers of this time would have been all about it okay i assume everybody was back then because they didn't know what science was and they didn't have vaccines yeah <laughs> but preventing things such like uh the coughs tumors anything like that they would prescribe beer 
Okay. I mean, that's that's dope. Monks even uh, revised doctrine and even some scriptures made uh, to make beer more available and accepted, too. So in some British monasteries, that beer was okay to drink during fasting. There's a quote that liquid doesn't break the fast. So, like, they would find ways to make sure that people were drinking more and more beer because of the benefits because of it. Okay. And I had a quote here that's actually in Latin, but I would butcher the hell out of it. Okay. So. Um, and they're, they're and to continue with this, like how awesome these monks are and these saints. Uh, there are even claims that there are more saints dedicated to drinking than any other subject. Oh, okay. I'm not sure how accurate it is, but it has been claimed. According to Sentius Moore, an ancient book on Irish law, St. Patrick himself had his own private household brewery. Yeah, but I mean the Irish, right? Yeah, so like when people drink on St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. I don't know where they got that tradition from. But he drank. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Like <laughs> uh, St. Luke, the evangelist, uh, in the first century CE is the first saint of uh, beer saint. Uh, no one really knows why, but he is. St. Nicholas. Have you heard that name before? Mm-hmm. Uh, you may know him as Santa Claus, is officially listed uh, by the church as the patent saint, the patron saint of brewing. That explains the belly. Oh, yeah. That guy ain't doing crunches. He's knocking back sixers. Mm-hmm. Plenty of bicep curls, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but being the fact that he's the patron saint of brewing, should I like Christmas a little bit more? Yes. You know, I want to cut that part out. Um, saint Benedict of the 6th century CE is the unofficial beer, uh, saint of beer. He decreed that monks should be self-supporting in every way, which created attrition to imbibe and eventually lead to brewing. Um I could keep going about all these different saints and the roles of brewing, mm-hmm. um, but this will go on a very long time. There's, yeah, like, I think in the interest of time, let's. Uh, but I'm, can I get one more in? Yeah. All right. Get, cool. What's your favorite one? All right. So this is a. Uh, this is going to take a second because I love this one. Uh, this is a quote from uh, the Fermentine Revolution, which is a book I've been reading for some of the resources on this, because uh, he puts it the best. So Saint Columban in the sixth century was an Irish missionary working in Germany. In his missionary travels, he came uh, upon a group of locals preparing to offer a cask of ale to the, to a heathen god. With a mere puff of breath, Columban destroyed the cask and proceeded to lecture the pagans on the evils of wasting good beer on a heathen god like Woden. The Christian god, he explained, loved beer, and he must be praised for providing it. When the crowd repented, he performed a miracle. Get it? A miracle. Miracle. Okay. Replenishing the beer that he had destroyed. Did you come up with the miracle, or was that originally? Uh, this I'm still quoting right now. Okay. It is my design to die in the brew house. Let it be placed in my mouth when I am expiring, so that when a choir of angels come my way, uh, be God prosperous to this drinker. Okay. So just like when he dies, he wants beer in his mouth, and a belly full of good times. I mean that. That does sound uh, not terrible. But the church was so much more than just a place uh, for pilgrims to drink. It was a center of society. It's where nobility met. It's where laws were written and major decisions in the world were created. Uh, but when these, but while these things were happening in medieval societies, the one thing that we were doing in this whole process was drinking beer. Okay. So 
And when, when I, this like two seconds ago, Sam rolled her eyes at me because I was speaking for a while. Did not hit record. Oh, is that why you? Why you? Okay, that's why I, was, I restarted. I was wondering why you started over again. Yeah, I was. I was talking into nothing. Okay. All right. Let's take a break from uh, talking about the judo Christian religions and the role that beer played on it. Okay. And let's talk about the Vikings. Okay, I like them. The Vikings, they their drink was mead or braggot. Yeah, and mead is. Like honey wine. Yeah. Right? So, and they actually have a story about the creation of it. Um, so, yeah. So, this guy, Cavasser, 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 um, he was a poet and the wisest of all men. Um, he was born out of the saliva of two um, groups of gods, the uh, Asir and the Vanir. So, ladies, if you don't want to get pregnant, don't spit into a bucket with a dude. I mean, just don't do that anyway. It's weird and kind of gross. Um, you know the little spittoon at the brick in uh, Roslyn? Lady, stay away. Get you pregnant. <laughs> uh, so there was an ancient Pete's ritual of spitting into this common vessel, and that's what he was born out of. Um, so he wandered around. He was teaching... Um, instructing um he was giving lots of great answers to questions he was just kind of a he was, yeah. a, he was a brainiac and then he ran into these two dwarves because obviously vikings they you have dwarves one was probably gimli um they were weary of academics and learning they <laughs> were not like big fans of knowledge so they're the jocks in revenge of the nerds yeah probably um although just so many problematic things about that movie yeah <laughs> um uh, they so they killed him. So the dwarves killed him, um, and they distilled his blood um, in a magic cauldron, and they mixed it with honey, um, and then that formed mead, um, which gave wisdom and poetic inspiration to those who drank it. When I so d- when you see that drunk idiot at the bar, who's like being real proud of himself for having all the right answers that's this guy's fault yeah when you're at trivia and there's the other drunk guy that knows the answers especially and if he's drinking mead oh yeah that guy is awesome he probably has a ponytail probably and tiny glasses (laughs) all right oh that was big all right so we're almost done here folks for those who are just getting wary about this is a lot of a lot of names yeah this is a little dense it's okay people want to know about the history of beer Let's finish it off here, right? Okay. Back to Christians. You ready? Okay. All right. So because of the rise of pilgrimages and the demand of beer, churches had to start either producing commercially or trade with other monasteries, which created a commercial beer market in these times. So more or less, religion controlled beer for thousands of years. Hundreds of years. Yeah, you could probably drop that thousand in there and be fine. And if you wanted to drink, you had to go somewhere that was associated with religion. You had to go to a church, monastery, etc. Okay. An abbey? Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually the church control of beer ended and because people enjoyed it too much, especially the upper class. Uh, they started allowing churches, other people to start brewing besides the churches. Um, but even today, when you go to Belgium or Germany, you, uh, you can find an abbey or a monastery, or somebody brewing a, a saison or a Trappist, mm-hmm. and it's still an important part of that society. So even though that stranglehold eventually dissipated and the nobility was like, we want to get drunk and we don't want to go to church for it, because sometimes you want to get drunk without feeling guilty. Yeah. 
Catholic, so yeah. So, but um, and you know, the, but beer and religion plays an important role in society today. Like the idea of those two going hand in hand together. Um, the first time I ever went to Europe, I went to an abbey and got drunk off of beer. Like I was like you know nineteen years old mm-hmm. and being a fresh dumb American getting off the uh, the plane, being like, let's go to a church and get drunk. And I didn't feel guilty. Oh, good. I well, mean, I'm I could glad. Have. Um, and this idea of pilgrimages, we've done bil- beer pilgrimages before. Pilgrimages? Pilgrimages? Mm-hmm. I mean, not necessarily to, you know, Belgium or Germany, which is uh, what a lot of people do. And I've had friends who've done it before. Mm-hmm. But we did just go on a beer pilgrimage to Boise. Boom. Yeah. But I feel like if you're doing a beer pilgrimage somewhere in the United States, you're going to Denver, you're going to Portland, mm-hmm. and people, but you still travel to go to beer. Mm-hmm. We've gotten like, we're going to go to the Great American Beer Festival to go drink beer. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, I have friends who've gone to Germany, Belgium just for beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends that go to, you know, London and UK just for beer. You could you could do other things while you're there, but you're definitely hitting up breweries. You're definitely hitting up things. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, I I've only been to Germany twice, but I highly recommend going there and checking out the idea of drinking in some of these old drinking halls. Okay, I think it's absolutely fun. It's entertaining. Yeah, the beers are malty, mm-hmm. and if you're going to an abbey or monastery, it's going to be a saison uh, or yeah. a trappist. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, but like going and so uh, Orvel Orval is a uh, Belgian brewery. They've been making beer for over like a thousand years. Okay. I mean, they, and they're still making beer like the old school way. Mm-hmm. I just think that's I think that's exciting. So um, that's kind of the uh, the the gist of everything religion and beer. Okay. The idea that they definitely went hand in hand. Super important. The that all these saint you know patron saints drank a lot of beer. Religion. The good parts of it, the bad parts of it, whatever, were created over beer. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of life. And uh, I don't know if this... I get nerdy with history because I love it. Okay. And I'll tell you what. When I did research for this, research for this, this made my nipples hard. Oh, okay. It's also very cold in our house most of the time. True. But right now it's 70 degrees. I, I know. know it's wonderful. I feel very comfortable. So that is what I have for... History, History of, of beer, beer part two. Okay. Any questions from the audience? Um, when I mean the audience, I mean Sam. No. Well, do you have a beer of the week? I do. Hold on, let me pull that up. Even though this is a little bit different, but let's uh, let's finish it with a little fun. What is your beer of the week? Uh, mine is the Danger Sunset from Barbarian Brewing. Okay, that's in Boise. It is. Oh, what? Well, tell me a little bit about that beer. Um. Uh, it was a sour, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a sour. Neat. <laughs> All right. Well, that. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't take like extensive notes on uh, on Untapped on it, but I did enjoy it, and I gave it a four point two five. All right, I'm gonna go with Ride the Spiral from Silver City. Okay. It's a IPA with a. I believe it. It's fruity. I remember that. I remember the exact flavors that are in it. But when did you have that one? That was Epic Brewmasters. Was that this past week? Yeah. Oh, that was good. I don't think it was on tap yesterday when I was there. It was. It was? Yeah, you're drinking freaking water or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was before dinner, and if I knew if I had more than one beer, um, I was going to be too full to eat dinner. All right. Well, anyways, thank you for listening, folks. 
at some point in the next couple of months, I uh, will do a part three, which will be kind of modern history of beer, kind of the think about American Revolution and all that fun stuff. And the dog just waited back inside, so we should end now before he starts barking. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.